1: That will be the scope of another podcast episode, but I'm super, super busy because I am moving to Costa Rica in January and I have a gazillion things to do before I go there. So anyhow, this is not today's topic. Today, I want to talk about a rather unconventional topic, but that has super powerful lessons and learnings when it comes to letting go and manifestation. So today I'm going to talk about How I healed from my eating disorder and how it is linked to letting go, manifesting what we want, and facing our fears or trusting a process that is unfamiliar to get more of what we want without feeling that we have to control the entire process. So, what I'm going to cover in this episode is basically a history of my disordered eating, what I did, what I wanted, what never worked. And then how I healed from the eating disorder, what I did, and what it has taught me in terms of letting go, in terms of manifestation, in terms of getting to your goal in an unexpected way, and also to a deeper level, everything I learned about how to change beliefs, even when it's hard, and how you can get a positive outcome or you can get to your goal, even if you're not visualizing, even if you don't really believe in the process or rather if you have doubts about the process if you don't know if it's going to work if you're not visualizing because I did none of that when it came to healing from that eating disorder and it still worked so to get into my relationship with food my relationship with food started to go south when I was about 13 or 14 years old so a very long time i spent about half of my life having a very toxic relationship with food and around that age i developed the belief and the obsession that i was too fat and when i say too fat because it's very subjective of course it was i had too much body fat so you can have body fat and not be fat at all right it's two very different things but in my 13 to 14 year old mind i was convinced that i was too chubby I was looking around me and I felt that everyone else was not so chubby. And looking back at pictures when I was about 12, I was a bit chubbier than I used to be, but it was just a temporary phase where I grew horizontally before I grew vertically and everything balanced out in my teens. But it was still very, very, very hard on my self-image. I was very uncomfortable in my body, etc. And that soon turned into body dysmorphia, unfortunately, where I thought I looked bigger than I actually was, or where I would over-analyze or over-obsess on some small parts of my body, feeling that, you know, they didn't look the way they should look, when in fact, when I look back at pictures today, I was like, oh my God, like that was just the product of my imagination. Body dysmorphia is a bitch. Body dysmorphia is basically when you see yourself very differently than what you are and it gives you this very biased and wrong self-image where you're convinced that either you're too big or your arms are too like this or your midsection is too much like that when in fact it's not true. It's like a distortion. It's a uh, mental distortion. So I had body dysmorphia too which I still have to this day, now it's way, way, way better. Probably like 80 to 90% better than it used to be. And now I've become much better at, at not listening to the voice in my mind, but I'll get into why I think I have that later in the podcast. So... When I was about 13, 14, I was convinced that I needed to lose weight, which was not the case, but that's what I believed. So I did my first stupid diet around the age of 14, where I would only eat 1,200 calories a day, which, you know, looking back is... So, such a bad thing to do. And back then, so it was 15 years ago, I think that in the mainstream media and in magazines and all of that bullshit, it was really like skinny was in. Thankfully, a lot has changed since then. But back then, you know, you had to be skinny and all of the role models or the modules or like the famous people were super, super skinny. Uh Nothing bad about being skinny if you're like naturally that way but many of those role models were basically starving themselves which again gives a very distorted image. So I started my first stupid diet eating 1200 calories a day. Back then I knew nothing about macros, I knew nothing about nutrition, I didn't even really understand that losing weight doesn't mean losing fat. So if you are on a very restrictive diet you could just lose water or you could l- lose muscle mass and your body fat percentage would still be unchanged. So just because you lose weight doesn't mean that you're losing fat, and it doesn't mean that you're necessarily healthier. So, And I was obsessed with the scale. I used to weigh uh, myself every single day, and when, God forbids, the number went up, just because of water retention or stuff I didn't know about, I would have this massive meltdown, and then I would restrict even more, blah, blah, blah. So it basically... Quote unquote worked. I think I lose a few kilos. I was satisfied with that. Um, and probably because the number on the scale was going down, my mind probably, when looking in the mirror, like thought it saw something different. And that is very, something that I really experienced later on in life, which was insane. Um, when I was around like in my 20s around 22 23 is when I weighed myself every day when the number would go up like 500 grams which is basically water retention or like a digestive thing because you can't gain like 500 grams of fat in a day I would see myself so quote-unquote see myself bigger in the mirror so obviously I wasn't bigger at all but it was just how powerful your mind can f with you so coming back to 14 so I lost kind of a bit of weight I was satisfied and then of course you know, 1,200 calories a day is absolutely not sustainable, especially not for a teen that is growing and needs lots of energy. So I probably put on the weight uh, again. And then that was a never-ending cycle of dieting, restricting calories, becoming tired of it, not paying attention too much to my weight, being heartbroken because of guys which would cut my appetite, and then I would lose weight, and then I would not never feel comfortable in my own skin and that went on for years and years and years and years and the you know the cycles would vary in length and sometimes I just didn't care anymore I was like whatever you know whatever if I feel fat I don't want to do anything about it and then I would find some sort of stupid motivation and diet again or like exercise a lot and then I started my master's degree. When I was, how old was I? It was in fall of 2016. So I was 22, 23 years old. And that's when I started kickboxing. Absolutely loved kickboxing. And I also started working out because my flatmates used to go to the gym. And that's the first time I actually went to the gym because I enjoyed the act of going to the gym rather than doing it for You know, weight loss reasons. So that was a lot of fun. It gave me a completely different relationship to exercising. I loved kickboxing and I'm an action sport person. So I really thrive when I do action sports or high intensity sports. I also love my Pilates, but I do need some sort of, you know, higher intensity uh, thing to balance it out. And that is when I went down the rabbit hole of macros. So Because I was lifting weights at the gym, I wanted to make sure that I was like building muscle and eating enough protein. So I read everything about how you need like two grams of protein per kilo of body weight if you want to be building muscle, blah, 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 blah. So then I did something that back then I thought was healthy, but looking back was not, where I was tracking all of my macros. So I wasn't dieting. Well, I was, it, it is a form of dieting, but back, back then when I was in university, my goal was to build muscle and burn fat. It wasn't nearly as unhealthy as I was in the past because since I was moving that much, I actually felt really good in my skin um, and it was just kind of more of a personal challenge to see how much fat can I lose, how much muscle can I build, like kind of a game. And I build muscle very easily and for all of the women who are afraid that if you lift weight you'll become bulky, it's not the case. Like to become super bulky you need to be in the gym a lot and eat a shit ton of protein. So that's just not really how we were built. But whatever, I digress. So I would start tracking macros. So I wanted to make sure I had the right amount of protein, the right amount of carbs and the right amount of fats every day to basically reach my fitness goals. And it wasn't... So looking back, to some extent it was unhealthy But I'm saying it wasn't unhealthy compared to what I did in the past. Like mentally, I was in a very good space. I was like happy. I had a super amazing time at university. I had a super amazing time doing kickboxing and going to the gym with my friends. My confidence was really high. Like it was a very, very good period in my life. However, I later learned that kind of compulsively tracking all of your food is a different type of eating disorder, which is called orthorexia. So it means that we are kind of obsessed with all of the macros and calorie counting and making sure that we're getting like all of these nutrients and that nutrients, which to some extent is not a bad thing, but it became completely obsessive. So if, you know, it was evening and I noticed that I hadn't had enough protein that day, I would like force myself to eat a bunch of like 0% fat Greek yogurt just so I could get my protein or if I really felt like eating I don't know like pizza and I already had eaten too much fat that day I wouldn't allow myself to eat the pizza because it, it wouldn't fit within the macros and then it became worse in the sense of when I wasn't eating enough protein and when I say enough it's based on you know the two grams of protein per body per kilo of fat that they say you need in order to grow muscle, again, I would look in the mirror and I felt that I was losing muscle mass. And that was like, it wasn't fucking possible because you can't lose muscle mass within 24 hours. Like if you don't eat protein for two or three days, it's literally going to change nothing or at least nothing visible. But my mind was playing games again where I would be convinced that I was losing my muscle mass and that I needed to up my protein, blah, 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 blah. And that also created disordered eating because while I wasn't constricting any foods, which was amazing. So basically, if I wanted to eat, you know, whatever, chocolate, cake, pizza, pasta, and it fit within my macros, I could eat whatever I wanted. So I wasn't restricting myself like I used to in the sense of, oh, this food is bad, I can't have that, or that food is bad, I can't have that. I was eating whatever I wanted as long as I stayed within the amount of fat, carbs, and protein I wanted to eat. But that also took a turn to the unhealthy side because then I became afraid of not hitting my macros, I became controlled by food, or when I was like at the restaurant and I couldn't know what was in the food so if you order like a like a i don't know plate of pasta with chicken i had no idea how much protein or fat it had it would really really upset me i was constantly like looking at labels on food i was tracking and weighing everything to make sure that i hit my macros which is a different version of a very unhealthy relationship with food and then the semester ended basically and it was summer, I was working, I was enjoying my time, had a great time. But what I also noticed is that I wasn't able to sustain that kind of quote unquote discipline when it came to tracking all of my food. So I would be, you know, very successful at sticking to my calories and my macros for like, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, and then I would fall off the horse, or I would like walk to work and go in front of a bakery, and I would really crave like sweets or cake or macaron or whatever, and then I would have them, and I would feel guilty, and I was like, oh, well, this day is ruined. Like, I've fucked up my macros. I ate too much carbs, not enough this, so I might as well ruin it for real and just eat whatever I wanted. And then the next day, I was like, oh, I'll just also take this day as a cheat day and I'll get on track, back on track, you know, in one day or two. But then the guilt will kick in where I was like, oh my god, I shouldn't have done this after all of my efforts, like I'm ruining all of my efforts in the gym. So I felt guilty. And then because I felt guilty, I would eat even more of, you know, whatever I wanted. And because ultimately, even if I had a lot of flexibility within my macros, tracking your macros and weighing all of your food is still a form of very constrictive eating. So, and where there is, con- where we constrict ourselves, where we control ourselves, the other side of that is that when you lose, you know, the willpower or the discipline, you will go overboard on the other side of that spectrum. So I would be super disciplined in what I ate for four to eight weeks, and then I would basically not be able to sustain it and I I would binge on cakes and stuff that I actually craved but didn't allow myself to eat because you know I already had too much carbs so I can't eat more of this or that and then it would just start this cycle of discipline and then quote-unquote not being disciplined and binging and feeling guilty and then be like oh well everything is ruined so I might as well ruin it for another day but then you feel even more guilty and it's even you know harder to get back on track And it was like a continuous cycle of sometimes sticking to the macros sometimes not. Each time I wasn't exactly sticking to the macros, there was some sort of guilt, even though it wasn't, you know, super high, the guilt was still there. So like a constant state of disappointment, of slight disappointment, of not going to the gym enough, or like not eating correctly enough, or having too many fun days. And that is very, very, very detrimental to your self-image, because you start having this self-image or identity of someone who 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 can never stick to the promises she makes to herself or someone who can't have the discipline or who doesn't have the willpower. Like constantly being disappointed with yourself or your actions is going to very, very negatively affect your confidence and your self-image and, you know, your ability as a person to reach goals and that's what was what that is what was happening with me just because of this disordered eating and these rules I had made up in my mind of how I was supposed to eat I didn't feel proud of myself I felt disappointed in myself I felt guilty I had this constant stream of like slight embarrassment or shame or disappointment which affected my self-image and confidence in other completely unrelated areas of my life because whether we like it or not it's going to spill over so then I didn't see myself as quote-unquote performant or confident you know in my job or at university etc etc and ultimately it would always lead to cycles of binges and then I felt so guilty and then I put on weight and then I felt awful and then that went on for a few weeks until I found the discipline to go to the gym hardcore again so it was all very unhealthy Not to mention that I have read over and over again that a super interesting thing, uh, according to author Lise Bourbeau, and you know, you can disagree with her, but uh, I've noticed a clear correlation between, you know, life events in my life and what she says. The only She says the only reason why people gain weight because of food is because they feel guilty. If you don't feel guilty when you are eating, if you have no guilt about the choices you're making with your food, your body will not keep the weight. It will just eliminate what it doesn't need and keep what it needs. So weight gain, according to her, is only due to the emotion of guilt around the decisions we make around food. And guilt is really, you know, built upon these rules we have in our mind that broccoli is better than chocolate and uh, i don't know like mac and cheese is not as good as chicken salad or whatever and of course it's all about balance i'm not here to have like a podcast on nutrition of course if i just eat like chocolate and mac and cheese twenty four seven, that's not going to be a great outcome if i do that for two months but everything is about balance and if i have like some chocolate here and there it's not going to be necessarily a bad thing right So she says, we only gain weight because of guilt. And I have definitely noticed that when I felt bad about food, I would gain weight way easier than when I felt great. And there was all of these phenomenons happening in my life, which technically make no sense according to, you know, the school of thought in the gym industry. Calories in, calories out. Like if you eat more calories than you spend, you're going to get fat. And if you burn more calories than you eat, you're going to get slim like i agree fundamentally with that approach on a mathematic mathematical perspective on a theoretical perspective i agree that that really makes sense but when you know more about the subconscious mind you know that that's a bunch of bullshit if your subconscious mind has different goals or if you know unfortunately many people who are obese or very overweight overweight have 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 been like sexually assaulted. So your mind says, I never want this to happen again. So now I'm going to make myself very strong or maybe a bit unattractive. So no one wants to look at me again. So there is much more to the picture than calories in, calories out. Nevertheless, what I really, really noticed with a clear correlation is that each time I did not care what I was eating, I did not feel guilty, I was happy. I could eat as much as I wanted and I would not gain weight. And each time I was Desperate to lose weight. And I felt that if I didn't lose weight, something awful was going to happen and my life was was going to end and no one would ever find me attractive and I would never find a partner or a husband. No matter how little I ate and how much I exercised, I did not lose the weight. So moving on, all of that happened. And The body dysmorphia flare-ups would be so much worse when my eating, you know, wasn't super clean. And then I would basically see myself fat in the mirror, even though I wasn't. And there's so many pictures of times when I remember I felt fat. And I look at the pictures now and I'm like, oh my god, like this is insanity not only was i not fat i was actually really 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 skinny i had a very low body fat percentage yet during those times my mind managed to convince me that i was too big so i've just trusted that i can trust my mind when it comes to these things so then uh fast forward i went to i traveled three months in south america in winter of 2019 I went to Colombia, to Chile, to Brazil, Peru, Dominican Republic, it was all fun and games, had an amazing time. I did have many meltdowns around food, um where I would want something but I felt I couldn't have it because I already had enough calories that day and then I would really like literally cry on food I thought I couldn't have and then I would have it and then I would feel guilty or if it didn't taste exactly as I expected I could have a full-blown meltdown because the chocolate chip cookie that I was eating and that I shouldn't shouldn't be eating didn't taste like expected so all of the calories I'm eating is, is not worth it like it was insanity and at the end of that trip I started to binge it was in Colombia and in Dominican Republic I really remember where I was like eating so much shit and there was no good and bad food I agree with that but I was just compulsively attracted to like deep fried stuff sweet stuff highly processed highly processed foods which I'm not usually attracted to you know more than just here and there And it got so bad and I think that deep down I didn't want to come back to Switzerland because I was having such a great time traveling and I felt free and I didn't want to come back and face, you know, some of the things maybe I didn't want to face. And I gained a lot of weight in like two or three weeks. And when I say a lot, it's a lot according to someone who has body dysmorphia. So probably just two or three kilos. And when I came home, it just got worse and worse. So at that point, I did hypnosis on why this was going on and the hypnosis helped but it didn't heal me by any means so what came out of the hypnosis is that the reason why I didn't allow myself to stabilize the body weight that I liked was because when I was a teenager I got a lot of unwanted attention from fucking perverts in the street so I was like 13 or 14 and these freaking 50 year old dudes were like complimenting me or like saying stuff around my body. Like it just makes me want to puke just thinking about it. Like disgusting, right? So I got the message in my mind when I'm like when I feel good in my body, I get this unwanted attraction. Hence the mechanism where I never felt good in my body. So I thought if I if I don't feel pretty, if I feel fat, I might not get attention because I'm not radiant, I'm not as confident, like I'm going to be more invisible, which worked. But then the question was, so why did I never gain more than like five to seven kilos? I always oscillated between plus or minus five or seven kilos. I never became very, very overweight. So it was like, if I wanted to make myself you know invisible or if I wanted to protect myself like the logical thing based on everything I have read is that I should probably have gained like 20 to 30 or 50 or 50 or 60 or however many kilos and that never happened so I did hypnosis and what came out of that is if I became quote unquote too big which is a very subjective thing I would lose the love from my family because everyone in my family on both sides has always been, you know, pretty fit, pretty slim. And I got the message when I was a kid that if I got quote unquote too fat and I don't think there is such thing, I would lose the love and validation for my family. So that is why I always say, Osseated, osseer, oscillated 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 <laughs> between plus or minus like 5 to 7 kilos it was enough weight so i would feel very uncomfortable but it was not too much weight that would get me rejected by my family so very interesting nevertheless that didn't really solve anything for me like it was great knowledge great you know insights but it didn't really change anything so when i came back from colombia and i was binge eating like crazy I got to my breaking point and I was like, I need to do something about this now. And prior to that, of course, even when my eating, you know, even when I was in a body that I really liked and like my eating was really clean, I still wondered, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Like, do I have to spend a lifetime weighing all of my food and knowing all of the calories that's in it and knowing how much protein I'm eating and how much fat and how much like carbs? And am I always going to be wondering when I'm eating out or at friend's how much calories is in the food and if I'm hitting my macros and how the hell am I going to do it when I'm pregnant because the trap with maintaining your body weight when you are in a calorie deficit which I was I was like cruising at around 1500 calories and with that I wasn't gaining or losing any weight but I was like what if I just want to go back to like my normal intake which is around 2000 to 2500 calories or even more when I'm doing a lot of sport? if I'm stable at 1500 then mathematically I'm going to be gaining weight if I'm eating normally again. If I'm like not gaining, if I'm in a deficit, if now I'm eating like normal calories, it bears, you know, the question, am I going to be gaining weight? So do I have to stay in a deficit for the rest of my life? And what am I going to do if I'm pregnant one day? Like, I don't want to be in a fucking calorie deficit when I'm pregnant or when I'm breastfeeding, or that's not what I want to teach my children. So there were all of these questions on how sustainable this is going to be in the future. And I already knew it wasn't sustainable, but I really didn't know what other option I had. So when I came back from Colombia, I kind of reached breaking point where I was like, I cannot l- let control uh, food control my life. I was having meltdowns over a chocolate chip cookie not tasting as expected or having a meltdown because I wanted to eat something but thought I wasn't allowed to. So I literally googled eating disorder best-selling book super simple and I came across this book that's called intuitive eating from I can't remember who from I'll put it in the description in the show notes I ordered it and it was about two nutritionists a dietitian and a nutritionist I think who basically said in the foreword of their book so we are, um, we have been telling people how to lose weight for years and years, basically telling them to track their food and make sure they're eating this and that. But then we had to face the sad reality and like the painful reality check that all of the people that came to us, all of our patients eventually came back to our practice very ashamed, one to five years later and they had regained all of the weight and sometimes more so after years of telling people that they shouldn't eat this and they should eat that and they should No, pay attention to blah, 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 they realized that the approach was wrong because if you just look at factual information, people might have been losing weight in the early stages of listening to that advice, but ultimately on a mid to long term perspective, they were all regaining the weight and sometimes more. So that approach was not sustainable and it wasn't working. So they had the courage to look at themselves in the mirror and say, listen, what we're doing is not working. There must be a different way. And then they did a lot of research into what happens in your limbic brain and in your body when you constrict what you eat and when you don't listen to your food signals. And basically, it signals, you know, your mind that you are in survival mode, that you have to store all of the food. And as soon as you eat normally again, it's going to store everything because it's afraid of next time you're going to starve yourself. So they completely changed their approach. And you can read the book, it's fascinating, to say, listen, when you look at babies or very young children they know what to eat so they made this super interesting experiment where they had a bunch of kids with you know of course the parents approved where they could a morning lunch and evening they could or throughout the day they could choose to eat whatever they wanted so the the experiment I think lasted a week or 10 days where food would be available 24 7 and all types of food ranging from salad broccoli uh you know grilled chicken to cake biscuits, ice cream, whipped cream, Smarties, candy, like you name it, every possible food uh, was there. And they let the kids eat whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, like there was no rules. So in the first, uh, first day or two or the first afternoon, people, uh, kids, excuse me, would naturally gravitate towards the fun food, so the candy and the cake and the biscuits. And very soon, they kind of got tired of that. And throughout the week, they actually ate exactly what their body needed in terms of nutrients, vitamins, fats, protein and carbs. So their body naturally knew what they needed and when they could intuitively you know, pick whatever food they wanted whenever they wanted with no restrictions, they actually made the choice that was the healthiest for them. So sure, they were attracted to the cake and candy in the first day or two because it was exciting, but very rapidly they would pick, you know, vegetables and spinach or chicken or, you know, potatoes or whatever in a way that exactly matched their body's needs and of course they didn't they didn't know that it's based on you know science and the underlying rationale of those two nutritionists who wrote the book is we have this natural ability to know exactly what our body needs we have natural hunger signals that are going to tell us when we need food and when we no longer need food because we've had enough so now making the main point of this entire podcast episode i read the book And the book says, basically, if you do intuitive eating, your hunger will regulate all of your uncontrollable cravings, will eventually disappear if you no longer resist them and you just basically eat whatever you want, whenever you want, while respecting your hunger signals. And in the beginning, I didn't even know what it was to feel hungry or not hungry. I didn't have any hunger signals because for 14 years... I would be in this restrictive and binge cycle where I could eat so much food and just thinking about it today of how much i could eat when i was binging it's insane i cannot eat nearly eat as much today as i I could in the past so basically when the book said you know of course it's much more complex and the book will explain it a gazillion times better than i have done here because it's not really the point to summarize the book but it basically says allow yourself to let your body tell you what you need and the earlier stages of this process what is likely to happen is that since you don't really know how to tune into your hunger signals you might overeat and that is fine you need to allow yourself to make mistakes you need to allow yourself to just eat whatever you want whenever you want with no restrictions but being very intentional on developing those hunger signals on being more mindful when you eat on actually tasting the food uh, instead of just gobbling it down to see if you like it etc etc and then even scarier it said the book said that the way you start with this is that you take the five or ten foods that you've been craving the most, so probably some of the stuff you haven't been allowing yourself to eat. And then you just eat that over and over again until you literally get tired of it. And I was like, okay, this is really, really scary because I don't think I can ever get to a point when I'm not hungry anymore. I would just keep eating and keep eating and all I will ever want is ice cream and pasta and pizza, which is really what I craved um, at that time. I remember when I read the book and the book um, addressed that concern and said, it's the biggest fear of people who start an intuitive eating journey is that they're going to become basically obese and that they're going to gain like 200 kilos because they won't be able to stop eating. But trust the process, trust us on this one, it's not going to happen. Once your mind and your limbic brain understand that the food is not going anywhere and that there are no more restrictions and that your body doesn't have to save energy, eventually you will become disinterested in the food. So I started that journey. It was extremely scary because it went against what I had been done for what I have been, what I had been doing for basically 12 years, 12 years of controlling my food, of tracking every calorie. And in the beginning, I knew exactly how much fat, protein or carbs and calories were in every single item of food even if I didn't calculate even if I didn't look at the labels or the package I had been doing that for so long that I just knew so I also knew I had a rough idea of how much I was eating when I was eating so that was very stressful but I was at such a breaking point with my relationship with food where I was actually afraid of food I was afraid of eating this or that or not eating this or that that I was willing to basically try anything so I hopped on the intuitive eating train, and I remember the first maybe three or four weeks, all I wanted was pasta, ice cream, and pizza. So I ate it, and I ate it well beyond, you know, when I was no longer hungry, because I my body just was so turned off that I did not know how it feel how it feels not to be hungry anymore, so I overate for sure, and I remember that I gained weight, I didn't weigh myself, but I could feel that my clothes were tighter, and it did upset me, but the book also said this is very common, sometimes you gain a bit, and it's temporary, and eventually you'll, your body will just let it go once you're just not interested in the, in those foods anymore, so I gained weight, which was extremely scary, especially, you know, I had body dysmorphia which as i said i still have so my body image was down the drain i did not feel comfortable i did not feel good but i kept the end goal in mind i was like if this is the solution to ending uh food fears and all of my eating disorders and binge eating and being afraid around food and not being able to eat what i want I am willing to do this. And like worst case scenario, let's assume none of this works and all of this is BS and I gain a few kilos. Well, it won't be the first time in my life I gain a few kilos and I guess I could still burn them off in the gym. Like worst case scenario, I can go back to the old model if this new model is not working. Um, so I did that. And eventually the book was right I became tired of eating pasta ice cream and pizza I no longer wanted it and what I did I really remember is that I always cooked more than I knew I would need so I could train myself to say if I want more there is more available there is always more available it's not going to go anywhere I'm not going to miss it I'm not going to be deprived. I really wanted to tell my body and my mind that the deprivation phase and the control phase was over. So I vividly remember cooking always too much and putting it in the fridge and allowing myself, you know, when I felt that maybe I might not be hungry anymore, I would stop, even if I wasn't sure. And I said, okay, I'm going to like do a 15 minute break. And if in 15 minutes I still want it, I can come back and finish. So there was always extra left. So I wouldn't. Uh, skew skew my hunger signals by being afraid that there would be no more and I have to take advantage and eat it now because the yummy stuff won't be there anymore. So I always cooked more and usually I just left it in the fridge and eat ate it the next day because I actually didn't want anymore. So eventually I started to gain a sense of what it feels like to be hungry and not to be hungry anymore and I could actually get a sense of fullness which I have never had before. So i pretty rapidly realized as i was eating okay i'm i'm starting to get full i actually don't want any more food and i would just put the food in the fridge and eat it later or eat it the next day and then the second thing i remember noticing is that there is a bunch of foods that i thought i really liked That I didn't like like mozzarella. I don't actually like mozzarella that much unless it's really really good from Italy and it's never something I realized or McFlurries like McFlurries at McDonald's. I still really like McFlurries but when I was in my deprivation cycle I always wanted the biggest one and once I was done with the big one I could definitely have a second one and now when I get a McFlurry I get the small one and I usually get bored of it when I'm halfway done eating it which is a massive difference so it's been how long has it been three years it's been about three years three and a half years since I started intuitive eating and I'm a point and it actually came really rapidly within maybe six to eight weeks I no longer uncontrollably craved certain foods and if I wanted some things I just ate it my hunger signals came back so I could feel when I was hungry and I could also feel when I was full. I also became very mindful that some of the foods I used to crave so bad, like, I don't know, chocolate chip cookies or waffles or whatever, I didn't even really like that much. And that was very flabbergasting. So I guess that because I have deprived myself from those things for so long, just the fact that I couldn't have it created this massive obsession with it, When at the end of the day, when I really focused on the taste and when I gave myself permission to eat as much of it as I wanted, I actually realized I didn't really like it. So long story short, within six to eight weeks, all of those things I was really, really craving and needing basically became pretty uninteresting. And I got to the point where I, my body just told me what it needed. So as a side note, until then, even when I binge ate or even when I had really bad phases with food, I had grown up with a very healthy and balanced diet. So my parents, you know, they introduced my sister and us to like vegetables and all sorts of foods when we were very young. So I always liked, you know, a bunch of different stuff. And I never experienced, like many do, like not liking vegetables or not liking, quote-unquote, the healthier stuff. I really liked everything. And within six to eight weeks, I just usually 80% or 90% of the time craved, quote-unquote, what would be considered as healthy food. And for me, and in intuitive eating, it's just food. And maybe like 5% of the time or 10% of the time, I would want... Uh, quote-unquote unhealthy food, which again, just food, chocolate, ice cream, whatever, and I would have a bit, and then I would be uninterested, or I would start a chocolate chip cookie, and then I... I wouldn't really want it anymore, so I would leave it on the plate and finish it later, which was such a foreign concept. Had you told me before that, oh, you're going to buy a package of biscuits and you're actually not going to finish them all in one go, I would have thought you were crazy, right? And I got to that point. And the the entire point of this podcast episode, because obviously, you know, I'm not an intuitive eating coach, this is not what I help people with, but the entire point was that it worked, the intuitive eating method worked, and within two or three months maximum, and I already start seeing like massive differences before that, my hunger signals were back, so I knew when I was hungry and when I wasn't, all of the food obsessions I had were completely gone, I no longer dreamt and craved about food, uh, or dreamt of food, which prior to that I could spend hours watching people baking cakes on YouTube just because I couldn't have it but at least I could watch it where I would travel to cities and spend a significant amount of time kind of figuring out where all of the best food was and I would get very upset if I didn't get to go to that special place that did those special donuts or whatever and it really controlled a ma- major part of my life and within six or seven weeks or eight weeks, I can't really remember of the process, yes, I had to put on weight, which very soon started to just go away without me having to do anything. And since then, it's been three and a half years. I have never dieted. I have never tracked my calories. I have never restricted any types of food. I have just eaten whatever the F I wanted, whenever I wanted. And eventually I lost all of the extra weight I had gained at the beginning of intuitive eating. And I stabilized at a weight that I was very happy with. And now, let's say I do more exercise or I'm surfing in Costa Rica, um, even without the goal of losing weight, weight, right, my body will just release and get more like muscular if I'm more at the gym or like I will build more endurance if I'm like surfing a lot or whatever. So it really just adapts. And the whole point of this episode is that by letting go of control around food, I finally reached that objective that I was desperately trying to reach through control where my weight is stable and I'm not gaining weight and I can eat whatever I want whenever I want without having to worry ever. And I never thought that such a thing would be possible. I really believed, well, if I let myself go, if I just eat whatever I want, I'll just want like a bunch of unhealthy stuff and I'll, you know turn into a fucking walking donut that weighs 500 kilos that never happened it never happened and What is more is when I had that vision in my mind of having food freedom, so being able to have just a neutral relationship with food where I could enjoy food because it gives you nutrition and energy but not obsess about it, I never had to visualize it. I never had to ask the universe. I never had to actively try to manifest that. I never had affirmations that said, My body releases extra food or I can eat whatever I want. No, I just went through the process. I had many, many fears. I was pretty, I wasn't that skeptical at that point because I had been through all of a bunch of like diets and binge eating and orthorexia for 12 years and I knew it didn't work. So when I read the book and it explained that, you know, they had worked with thousands of people who used to be in the same boat that I was in and it worked. I I trusted the book. I trusted the process, but by no means, you know, was I ex. Particularly excited about it. By no means was my vibe exceptionally high while doing intuitive eating. I had many meltdowns. I had many times I was very angry with myself for the weight I had gained. Um, and it still worked. So you don't have to be lovey dovey hugging trees and being on cloud seven for your manifestation to work. Ultimately, I had a goal. I had a vision, which was I want to have peace around food. I want to be able to eat whatever I want whenever I want without ever constricting what I eat. If you know I'm walking by McDonald's and I want a McFlurry with m ms I want to be able to have it or if I'm want waffles after going to the gym instead of having like some sort of protein, I want to go have a waffle and if I'm not hungry, I want to not eat and be fine with that. And I got that. I had this clear vision and then I took action towards that vision. And in this specific case, the action I took was following the intuitive eating step by step process that I read about in the book. I didn't even hire a coach. I just trusted the book and it worked. And it is when I let go of the control, when I let go of the obsession, when I let go of the worry of what might happen if I allowed myself to eat, and when I basically stepped into my biggest fear, which was completely throw away the old model that I had been using until now, which obviously wasn't working, and step into this completely new module that tells you the exact opposite of what we've been brainwashed to believe, as in you can eat whatever you want and you can have you know, whatever you want, whenever you want. And no, it's not going to make you fat once your body is at a healthy stage where it can tell you what it needs and what it wants, right? And I can't remember what I was saying, but basically, yeah, stepping into the intuitive eating model was a massive 180 degrees compared to what I used to do but it worked and letting go and being willing to do this completely new thing that was absolutely out of my comfort zone and which made me face my biggest fear of potentially gaining weight. And I know it sounds really shallow, but when you have... Um, when you have very bad body dysmorphia and when you're convinced that you know gaining weight is going to mean that people are not going to love you anymore gaining weight is basically the worst thing that can happen to you so I was willing to take that risk I was willing to temporarily gain weight in order to find the freedom and it worked and it wouldn't have been possible if I wasn't willing to do it uh, because the fear was too big if I had said no 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 this doesn't sound like something that I can uh, you know do or I don't trust the process or it just sounds so weird or counterintuitive and another thing I want to add is my thoughts through throughout the process so in the beginning even if I didn't try I would still automatically count the calories uh, of everything that I ate And I didn't do it on purpose, but I just knew I had so much knowledge on all of the fat, the um, carbs and protein and like refined sugar that was in every single freaking food item that even if I didn't want to calculate, my brain just did the math. It's same when I play golf. You know, when I play golf, you can basically keep track of your score to see if you're doing well or not. And some people are like, well, don't count. Like I can't not count. My brain is going to count whether I like whether I like it or not, right? But my point is, in the beginning, I would basically know what was in the food I was eating and it was pretty distressing. It was kind of like knowledge is a double-edged sword and I would rather be ignorant. But bit by bit, day after day, as I refused to subscribe to the ice cream is bad and it's gonna kill you um, those thoughts actually started to dissipate and vanish and now when I eat I never think of the calories or the fat so I, I have an awareness that if I'm eating like fish obviously it's going to have way more protein than if I'm eating an apple because that's kind of obvious but I'm actually not counting I have no idea Uh, what I'm eating on a daily basis in terms of calories, and I absolutely don't care, right? And even when I'm overeating because, you know, it's Christmas or a birthday or there's a buffet and the food looks awesome, it doesn't bother me. And if I'm not eating because I've been surfing from 5 a.m. to 12 and I know I'm hungry, but, you know, I can't be bothered because I'm having fun... But then I'm going to have like a super extra duper meal and have a nap for two hours, that is completely fine too. So my beliefs actually changed bit by bit without me having to actively do anything about those beliefs as I took action in the direction that I, you know, wanted to go towards or the goal I wanted to go towards. And something that I've read over and over is if you want to change a belief. So if you have identified a limiting belief you have, the best thing that you can do to join, to change the belief is to act according to the new belief you wish to have. So if I wanted to have the belief, I can eat whatever I want and it's not a bad thing, like nothing bad is going to happen, then the logical action I should have taken that is coherent with that system, like belief system is basically listen to my body and eat whatever I want whenever I want so that's what I did and step by step bit by bit day by day meal after meal uh, my belief system completely changed around food without me having to actively do hypnosis or EFT or journaling on it which is also a very important part of the process sometimes when we are very deep in inner work which is amazing we tend to obsess about all of our thoughts and we're like oh my god I'm becoming aware that this thought you know Is my old belief, and I don't want to fuck up my vibe, so I shouldn't think that thought, and then we just go down the rabbit hole. So, this is basically what I wanted to say. And the funny thing, if I go back to what I mentioned before, was that I was so obsessed with having to eat the right amount of protein in order to maintain or build muscle. So I had this very strong belief that you need protein in order to build muscle. I'm not going to completely, you know, contradict uh, the science behind this. I do believe that there is a very positive correlation between The muscle you're building and the protein you're eating, which you know is a subject, it's just not my area. It's not my field. But the interesting thing is that I'm a veget, I'm a pescatarian. So I eat fish. I don't eat meat. I will occasionally eat meat if I really feel that my body needs it because I'm more about listening to my body than anything else. But since I haven't been eating meat like for a bit, for about five years, I don't really like it anymore. So technically, I don't have enough protein. So on the basis that I'm going to the gym and I would like to, you know, build my strength and lift more weights, I should be eating amount of protein X in order to be doing that. And I'm not doing it. I just cannot be bothered to eat more fish or eat more like spinach or eat more lentils or whatever which has protein because I don't want to eat that. I just want to eat whatever I feel like eating and I don't want to like constrain myself by adding a bunch of protein if I don't want to eat it. So I'm not eating it and guess what? I'm going to the gym and I'm building muscle exactly like I used to build it because I no longer subscribe to the belief that I need like huge amounts of protein in order to build muscle. So I completely appreciate and understand that if you're a personal trainer or if you know you truly believe that you need the protein in order to build muscle you might completely disagree with that and that is completely fine we can agree to disagree i do believe that you know i am genetically lucky i build muscle easily but i also believe that your beliefs at the end of the day is what is going to play the most important role in your life so if i completely believe that i absolutely need you know two grams of protein per kilo of, of body weight in order to build muscle, uh, I'm literally going to placebo myself into that reality. And if I don't believe that, and I believe that my body can still, you know, do whatever it needs to do without the protein or without enough protein, well, it's going to work too because quantum physics. So the bottom line is When you let go, you let in. Letting go is letting in. And in order to let in the dimension or the possibility in my life where I could be free around food and where I could have a healthy relationship around food and where I could maintain, you know, my weight without fluctuation while still eating, while respecting the needs of my body as in just, you know, intuitively knowing what I need to eat, in order to let that reality into my life, I had to let go of controlling, I had to let go of calorie counting, I had to let go of all of the fears and constraints that I had placed upon myself, I had to let go of the belief system that if I eat whatever I want, I'm going to turn you know, I'm going to, to, to transform into a well. You know, I had to let go of all of that and I had to do what was the fucking scariest thing, which was doing a method that is probably going to make me gain weight in the earlier stages before everything stabilizes and before my body lets go of the weight, which was extremely scary. But because I was okay stepping into the fear and stepping into a completely different paradigm, that was really scary and completely go out of my comfort zone. It's also what allowed me to manifest what I ultimately wanted, even though my thought process and my vibe and my beliefs and my thoughts throughout the process weren't the greatest. Even though so many times I'm like, this is never going to work. I'm just gaining weight. I will always want pizza, pass and ice cream, <laughs> you know, And that's also the point I want to make. In order to manifest what you want, you don't need to have an exceptional high vibe. You don't need to be doing affirmations all day. You don't need to do EFT on your supposed limiting beliefs every single day. You just need to have a goal, a vision, and then take action that is consistent towards that goal. And of course, if you can't do it, if you're paralyzed in fear, then tools like EFT or hypnosis or affirmations or journaling journaling can really help you move past that fear so you can continue to take um, action in a positive direction. So this is what I wanted to talk about in this podcast. Did I forget something? I don't think so, but it's a great lesson in the very simple knowledge we all have that sometimes when something is not working, we really need to be doing something differently. And it took me 12 years of binge eating like constricting my food intake and tracking my calories blah 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 to get to the breaking point where I was like I'm I can't do this for the rest of my life there must be a better way and then I was willing to look for the better way and then I was willing to take action even though the action was extremely scary and even though the action would give me the opposite of what I wanted in the beginning which was you know gaining weight I was willing to do that to quantum leap to a new dimension where i could have complete food freedom and today i'm at a point where i love food so i love you know i really enjoy eating or discovering new places new restaurants but overall i am pretty indifferent to food so it's not consuming my thoughts i'm not thinking about food except when i'm eating um, I will sometimes have like a craving, oh my god, I really want like a mac Flurry or a pizza or whatever, so I will have it extremely fast, I will not let it snowball into something bigger, I will just have it and then I literally forget about it for months and months and my body tells me when I'm hungry, it tells me when I'm not hungry anymore, some weeks I eat way more than other weeks and I just trust that for whatever reason my body needs more energy at that moment and it's completely fine. And I'm not gaining weight, even though I'm you know eating whatever the fuck I want, and I have never not wanted the stuff I used to be obsessed with so much, so while you know I still love all of the all of the kind of party foods, I don't actually crave them anymore, and I'm pretty indifferent and neutral around food, which is the most liberating thing that I could ever experience. So if I had to summarize what I want you to take out of this episode is that number one, if you've been doing something and whatever you've been doing is not working and it's been going on for a while, it's time to look at a different action plan or a different option, even though the option might appear to be counterintuitive. We can't be going on doing the same thing if the same thing is no longer working or no longer making you happy. Side note, sometimes you're doing the right thing, but your environment is fucking you up. So if you have a beautiful exotic plant and you put it, you know, somewhere where it's cold, the plant is not going to thrive, no matter how well you water it, or no matter how good the quality of the fertilizer you give it. It's just not in the right environment. So it could be an environmental thing. So for example... You know, I don't mean to baffle any feathers, but maybe you are in a relationship that is kind of not really good for you anymore. And staying in that relationship is stopping you from thriving. Maybe, you know, you are surrounded by people who are dragging you back, whatever that might be. So if you've been doing something for a long time and it's not working, it's time to do something different. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is often what... On the other, what we want is on the other side of what we fear the most. So my biggest fear was to stop constricting my food or to stop having food rules because I was convinced that I would balloon into a massive human being that would just eat ice cream and cake all day with like no way to stop. Especially, you can't imagine the quantity of food. I was able to eat like just thinking about it disgusts me i just don't know how i could possibly eat that much without feeling sick but i could and that's what food like depriving yourself around food does to your body it completely fucks up uh your like receptors in your gut and in your brain and whatever so it completely skews your uh, signals in terms of how hungry you are or aren't so often on the other side of your biggest fear there is some the one thing you want the most often is waiting for you on the other side of your biggest fear and once you can step towards that biggest fear you will liberate whatever needed to be liberated and you will get whatever you wanted to get so that that's lesson number two lesson number three is that you don't need to have perfect thoughts perfect energy perfect beliefs in order to get what you want i did not do any inner work throughout this entire process I wasn't, you know, like a bounty unicorn in rain, rainbow Rainbow land. Uh, I had many frustrated days, many shitty thoughts, many this and that. I did not visualize myself being free from food. I just did what the book told me to do, one meal at a time, and it worked, right? So manifestation is often on the other side of resistance. When we don't resist, we don't even need to have a high vibe. Uh, it's going to work anyway. And last but not least, uh very often, when we can let go of control, which obviously is very hard to do, we get what we want on the other side of control. I was convinced that I needed to control myself around food, I needed to track the food otherwise I would gain weight, and I would never be able to sustain you know whatever weight I wanted to sustain. And that wasn't true. Now I control nothing and everything is working really, really well. So when we can let go of trying to always control everything, when we can let go of the need of having to be, the need of being able to anticipate everything that's going to happen so we can plan ahead and we can be ready for whatever might happen, once you can let all of that go and choose to trust the process even though you're not seeing results immediately, as obviously, you know, I gained weight in the beginning, I wasn't seeing the results immediately, I was still craving pizza and pasta for some days or weeks, I still trusted the process and went on with the process, even though the results didn't manifest immediately. And last but not least, just remember, you have nothing to lose by trying something new. So even if I tried intuitive eating and it didn't work for me, and God forbid I had gained 10 kilos and it was awful and blah, 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 blah. Well, worst case, I can just go back to the old way, okay? I gave this a chance. I gave gave it a fair chance for like, I don't know, two to six months. I gave it my all. I followed the step-by-step process in the book. Unfortunately, it didn't work for me, you know, whatever. I can still go back to the old model. Same goes with business. Maybe you're tired of, I don't know uh doing discovery calls and you want to start launching but it's super scary give it a chance give it your all for three four five six months and if after six months of giving it a fair chance and not sabotaging the process it doesn't float your boat it doesn't work you don't like it you can always go back to the old model nothing is ever permanent just because you're trying something new or venturing into uncharted territory doesn't mean you have to stay there forever And if, you know, you just realize it's not for you, you can always go back to the old model. But fear of something new or the fear of the unfamiliar is no longer a good enough excuse to stay in an old model. When new possibilities exist for you, should you be doing something different? So give the different thing the benefit of the doubt. Give it a fair chance. Give it your all for three to six months, knowing that you are an intelligent person. And if you want different results, you'll have to take different actions. And, you know, fair game. If after a few months, six months, whatever, you don't like it, it doesn't float your boat, it didn't help, it didn't work, cool. Try something else or go back to the old model. So that was it. I hope that this was helpful for all of you who have, you know, had an unhealthy relationship around food or you feel that food is still con- controlling a significant portion of your life or you just have anxiety around food and what you can eat or can't eat or frustrations, I really, really, really highly recommend the intuitive eating book that I will put as a link in this episode. So I hope that this was helpful and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to
0: today's podcast. Now, if you want to experience the full power of your subconscious mind to manifest more abundance and more clients towards you while you sleep, I've got a gift for you, the Abundance Hypnosis Recording. It will help you let go of imposter syndrome and money blocks directly at the subconscious level and rewire your mind to energetically attract and manifest more abundance in clients. This recording has already helped thousands of women let go of deep-seated limiting beliefs and negative blueprints they didn't even know they had. And all you have to do is go to inaspadarch slash abundance recording in one word. And of course, all of this is in the show notes. So see you next time on the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast.